Well, hey there. Welcome to the Kim Constable podcast. Nobody cares. Work harder, which is definitely the theme of this week's episode, which you are going to absolutely love, which I recorded with the wonderful Brian Keane. Uh, Brian is a very good friend of mine now. He contacted me about a year ago, maybe a little longer, and asked me to be a guest on his podcast. And I'd never heard of him before, but I kind of looked him up and I thought, hmm, such a good looking guy. You wouldn't kick him out of bed if he farted. And uh, not only that, he seemed to be quite successful and fit. And I was like, yeah, I'll be on his podcast. And I never really expected to get on with him just as well as I did get on with him. We actually um, were almost like two peas in a pod. Um, we think very similarly. And of course, he's Irish. He's from Galway. Um, and so I just riff with him really, really well. And then last week I said to him, Brian, I think that we need to do another podcast interview because he's been on my podcast. I've been on his podcast. And I would really like to make him a regular feature on this podcast just because of the insights that he has to share are so incredibly valuable. And I always learn so much from talking to him. And I just love his slant on things, his take on things, how he helps people to really rewire their mindset to achieve more of what they want in their life, more fitness, more business, success, whatever, which is very, very close to my own heart, as you guys who listen to this podcast will know. So Brian and I uh, got together and we had a really, really, really good conversation, which I hope you're going to love, um, which is coming up very, very, very shortly. And I just want to also tell you before we go in, to it that the winner of October's podcast giveaway was the lovely Meredith Wheel. Meredith Wheel, congratulations. You are the podcast giveaway winner. Thank you so much for your wonderful review. And thank you all of you for your wonderful reviews. I know I say it all the time, but it is actually true. I do listen or I do listen. I do watch every... No, I don't even watch... <laughs> I do read, third time lucky, I do read every single review that is sent in and I do deeply appreciate every single one of you. So thank you, Meredith, and thank you everybody for your reviews. And if you want to enter the November giveaway, all you have to do is leave a review of this podcast wherever you listen to it, take a screenshot and send it to me as a direct message um, on Instagram at The Sculpted Vegan. If you do not do that step, you will not be in with the chance of winning because that is where we choose them from. We save them all on Instagram and we choose them from there. So make sure you do that and you could be in with the chance of winning one of our sculpted vegan programs and we will be announcing November's winner at the start of December. So without further ado, or further ado, adieu, adieu, I think I sounded I sound very Swiss there, without further ado, without further ado, let's get into the interview with Brian and I will talk to you again at the end. Here, Brian, do you know what's funny? Um, I... I was thinking, well, I got to the office here by 12 o'clock and I was thinking, right, need to write down some questions, you know, got this, you know, chat with Brian at 12.30, write down some questions, some stuff that I want to ask him. And and then it was like, no, I don't need to ask Brian, I don't need to write down any questions. I don't think no. we're going to be short in conversation. We, we could literally, like, if you just picked four or five words, I reckon we could probably talk on them. So we're probably going to be safe enough. I know, I think it's the Irish thing, but here, I was me actually was the one who messaged you about this podcast. And I know it's funny because in, in whenever lockdown happened, you know, in the summer or whatever, I was messaging you and I was like, we should start a podcast together. We should do like something together, you know, because I just think whenever, you know, I'm sure you've had some pretty shocking podcast guests on in the past. Uh, I know I've done some interviews that I haven't even released because it's almost been like painful trying to, you know, get the conversation out of them. But I think whenever you meet someone who not only thinks the same way, which you and I do a lot, but also has the same energy and the same Irish, you know, 
lilts and people always love uh, our inter- or love our chats because you know of the Irish accent. Although I don't think we sound anything alike, but according to the Americans, we sound identical. Did yeah, you know it, that? It, it, if you're anywhere on the island at all, though, to be fair, like I, I when I used to live in California, I used to be like, they're, they're, do you are you from England? Are you from the UK? I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're not even lobbing me into the Irish bracket. I'm like, <laughs> so you've no chance with Northern and Southern. So I, 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 don't, I, I believe that. It's better. It's probably actually, it's like the Canadians and the Americans. You know, people who say to the Canadians, they're like, are you American? They're like, no, I'm Canadian. I don't sound anything like an American. Oh, um, I've, got with that. I've got better with that over the years. I'm like, Canadian people have like a twang to their, very similar to like the Northern Irish people. That There's a twang. They'll they say, do. Hey, into things. I'm like, oh, Canadian. Don't say they're American. <laughs> I love it. Well, here, I'll tell you why I wanted specifically to... Uh, to do this because I was, um, you know, I love watching your stories. I follow you on Instagram, obviously, and I love watching your stories and I love what you do. And there's a couple of things that I love particularly that you do, which I'll, I'll shower you with compliments shortly. But I guess um, what I specifically wanted to talk about was, I'll tell you how this came about. I, I last week was feeling, it wasn't last week, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was, I had done a 10 week shred and I had, you know, and I'd come to the end of my shred and I'd done a photo shoot and, you know, you've competed, so you know what it's like. And I, you know, whenever I do a shred, I do it properly. I don't, there's, I had nothing at the end of it except a photo shoot, but I don't hold back. You know, I, I, I got to the end, I was very depleted. I did a peak week, you know, and dehydrated and stuff for my photo shoot. And, you know, of course, then your hormones are all over the place a bit, you know, once you come out of it. And so the week afterwards, um, I, I, I just was feeling a wee bit like depressed. And I said to my husband, this is so ridiculous. I am feeling depressed and I have nothing to feel depressed about. But I was just feeling a wee bit kind of down. And I was walking one day and I thought, but anyway, I never judge myself when I'm feeling that way. I was walking, I walked the dog one night, it was one evening and I walk him every night and I love exercise whenever I'm feeling, which I don't feel down very often, but I was walking the dog and I was like, wow, this is interesting. I really do feel this way. And I was like trying on why I felt this way. I was just flicking through Instagram while I was walking and I happened to be on one of your stories. And it was from that morning when you had been running and, you know, and you, and you were like 5am and you were doing your Q&A or whatever in the car and then you were out running or whatever. And just that little moment, right, of seeing you out doing your thing and going, don't let lockdown get on top of you. You know, I'm still crushing it, still up at 5am. In fact, lockdown has made me even more determined to, you know, to uh, to crush it and keep going. And I can imagine you're very like me when, when, when someone throws something hard at you rather than kind of, you know, shying away from it, you like hit it head on and tackle it head on. I'm going to hit you back harder, coronavirus, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and in that moment, whenever I saw your stories, I instantly felt like a little better. I was like, I was like, oh, wow. And and I had this realization like, oh, I love Brian. And he made me feel so much better in that moment about, you know, just don't even, don't even know what it was you said or what it was that you did. But just that connection I felt with you working hard and crushing it and doing it. And I had that realization in that moment that this is how my listeners must feel. Because I'm sure you get it too. I get a lot of people writing to me every day and they're like, you've changed my life. You have no idea how much I love following you. You know, this post just made me feel like today I wasn't going to go to the gym, but now I am because of you. And they tell me how inspiring I am, how much I've changed their life. And I'm like, oh, that's so lovely. It's so lovely. But I never really, in, I guess, felt in that moment, until that moment, what it must feel like to be feeling slightly down or slightly depressed or just slightly whatever. It was just my hormones were all over the place. I was exhausted. I was depleted. I was hungry. I was you know, overworked. We'd done nine launches this year. So all that came on top of me and I feel amazing now. But I, I, in that moment, I thought this must be how people feel whenever they see my stories or whenever they see your stories and they're just feeling a little bit ugh. And so lockdown came upon us again. Lockdown happened, especially in Ireland. It's much stricter than up here. London is now completely locked down. I know there's many areas of the States that are locked down. And I thought, I really just want to get together with you and just have a riff, just have a chat. I want to hear 
Like what has been going on with you about, you know, during lockdown? How have you been feeling? Why did you decide to keep on your, what are you doing? Like 10, 11 kilometers a day now running? Yeah, yeah I did 11K this morning. I was, I was up at four this morning just because I knew we had this podcast. So I wanted to write before we got on. I um, love so. that. So that's what I want to know, Brian. How did that come about that you decided just to go, fuck you, Corona? I'm in charge here and I'm going to take this on. Is it a new thing, the running, or was it something you always did? No, so the running, I, I'm i somebody that's not a huge fan of running. So I've done a lot of ultra marathons and marathons in the past, but I'm very vocal about my dislike for running. Like I, I'm very similar to you, Kim. I love weight training. Like give me a barbell, give me dumbbells, and I'm all over that every day of the week. But running's not something I'm a fan of. But weirdly, there's two kind of anchors that make me feel very mentally tough. And one of them is running because I know that I'm never going to enjoy doing it. Like I have some of my best friends are ultramarathon runners. Like their whole highlight of their day is their run. Like they can't wait until they get outside. They can't wait till they get in the treadmill. And I'm like, I haven't enjoyed any of my runs in any of the years ever. Indoor, right. outdoor, treadmill, all the same. But I feel very mentally tough after it. Like and coronavirus is one of those things because it happened a little bit at the first lockdown when we went into in the first southern lockdown in the Republic, where in March, everything just closed down. And I stopped getting up at 5 a.m. and I stopped doing my runs and I didn't feel myself. I'm like, I don't feel great. I was like, I didn't even feel like when I come on my social media and, and spreading the message that I normally spread. I'm like, I feel like a bit of a fraud. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. I'm not doing my runs. I'm not crushing it. I'm not grinding at it. And I just didn't feel that good. And then when this lockdown came, I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, I'm not letting it happen again. I'm like, what are the things that make me feel that I'm taking control of my day? And for me, it's getting up early. Like I'm a night owl by nature. Like I tell anyone that ever listens, I would get, I would go to bed closer to 4 a.m. than get up at 4 a.m. But one of the things that has conditioned me to kind of feel a lot mentally tougher and be able to handle things like coronavirus and the COVID-19 is, well, what are the things in my control? I'm like, well, getting up early is in my control. I'm like, nobody's stopping me doing that so I can still do it. And going for my runs, I'm like, regardless of the weather, I'm not sure if you're talking about, I put up on my stories on a Saturday. I don't normally go on social media on a Saturday, but on Saturday um, I went in and it was torrential. Like it was one of the worst days. It was a storm. Like I was literally getting smashed in the face with the wind and the rain. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm doing my 11 K. And I got a lot of messages from people off the back of that. They're like, okay, I wasn't going to go for a walk today. I wasn't going to go for my run. I'm going to go do it. And I'm like, yeah, you don't let the weather determine whether you do it or not. I'm like, you get out and do it if you have to do it. And um, so this lockdown, to be honest, Kim was partly down to, a little bit of feedback from the last one. I'm like, I didn't like the way I felt during the last lockdown. And that had nothing to do with coronavirus. That had nothing to do with the external world. That had nothing to do with COVID-19. That was to do with me falling back into kind of a, you know, I'll just kind of go along to get along. Now I did other things. I started writing the next book. I got a couple of courses done and created, like I got work done, but I still didn't feel like myself. Whereas when this lockdown came, I'm like, okay, make a list of the things that make me feel tough that make me feel mentally tough enough to deal with whatever's going on and just do that repeatedly um so yeah that's exactly what i did this time around yeah and i think that that's a really important point that you make and i i, I want to touch on that a little more because you said that you you know well no not that you said but i think that quite often we get into a we get into a habit of doing things it's like me i train in the gym every day monday's chest and triceps tuesday's legs wednesday's back thursday shoulders buys friday's glutes and hams 10 a.m boom i have done for three years, 10 a.m. I go to the gym, I train 10 to 11. Everyone knows that's where they'll find me at 10 a.m. But then whenever coronavirus hit for us and the gym's all closed, it was, it was, I think that what happens with people is they, 
and you can tell me whether or not you agree. I think that we get into a routine and we enjoy that routine and that's in our routine. But then whenever suddenly that routine is taken away from us and we haven't chosen to actively change it, we find ourselves a bit lost. What the fuck do I do now? Like my routine's gone. I can't go to the gym, can't do this, can't do whatever. And so rather than then make a mindful decision to do something else and take control, we then find ourselves like at, you know, at the effect of the coronavirus, at the effect of the lockdown, at the effect of all these different things, not realizing in that moment we can actually choose differently. And it seems that's what like, that's what you did. You were like, no, I'm going to like change my routine. I'm going to start to go back. Did you always run? Always did like 11K in the morning or is it a new thing? Uh, it, it depends. I would normally run when I was training for something. Um, so once I had an event that had running involved in it, I would train. Um, and then the distance would vary based on what I was training for. Um, but to be honest... As someone that doesn't enjoy that aspect of running, it's not something I'll do for pleasure. Like yeah. I'm doing it for a different reason. Like I lift my weights before I run, just to kind of give people a little bit of context. Like I always weight lift. Like I did an hour, I did um, half an hour of um, a giant set on back and rear delts before I did my 11k this morning. So I was doing the workout that I enjoy, and then that helps me kind of get the run because I do love weight training. Um, but no, it was just down to the making the decision with it because what I found in the last lockdown, I'm not sure if you were the same, Kim, but definitely for me at the start of the last lockdown, I started to get kind of anxious and worried about things that I would never normally get anxious yes. and worried about. Yep. I'm like things that were outside of my control, which is very uncharacteristic to how I would normally think. And I realized it came down to that I wasn't taking control of my day. And as a result, I felt like everything else was outside of my control. I was checking the news. I was checking the updates on coronavirus. I was wondering what it would mean for the business, all of these things. And when after about two months of that happening, I'm like, OK, I need to change this. So I actually like broke that cycle even in the last lockdown. And I just carried it over for this one. It happened to me this morning, actually, or it happened to me last night because there's a friend of mine who is a, a restaurateur in Belfast and he owns a chain of restaurants and he's very, very successful and um, he's very wise. And he has been massively affected, as you can imagine, by the coronavirus, but he's not afraid of speaking out against, you know, what he believes is right and whatever. And so he would be quite vocal on Facebook whenever, not not derogatory vocal, he's very, with the way he writes, he's very eloquent and he's very, he's not like, this is ridiculous and having a rant kind of thing, you know, like you tend to believe what he says because he's so thoughtful and elegant or eloquent and he, you know, puts arguments forth for both sides. But he put a thing up yesterday saying, oh my God, I cannot believe this. Like they said, we were opening on Friday. We've started taking things and now they're saying that maybe we won't open again. Now they're saying that maybe, you know, uh, the restaurants can open, but without alcohol. And like, who the hell is going to come to, a, you know, a Michelin star restaurant and not have a glass of wine? Like, it's so ridiculous. And, you know, not only have we had to obey the social distancing rules and we've halved our capacity and we've had this or whatever and our rep, hundreds of thousands of revenue and, you know, affected and blah, blah, blah. Now this is happening. And immediately I read that, I felt such a deep sense of empathy uh, for him because I, you know, obviously my business has not been affected because I have an online company, which is worldwide. So I'm not just trading here in Northern Ireland. And, you know, but I feel so deeply for my friends that have been so badly affected by this. And as soon as I read that, I, I immediately, like you, I kind of, I started to spiral a little bit. And I said, oh my God, this is awful. Like, what's going to happen? Like, Brian, we are headed for a depression, no matter what people oh, think. Yeah, there's no I keep way telling people, yeah. a global depression. This is only going to last for a short space of time. Whenever we get back to, inverted commas, normal, that we're headed for a depression. And I started to go into a bit of a, 
oh my God, this is awful. And I lay there a minute feeling like a bit depressed, like not even depressed, but more just pensive. Like, this is awful. This is like, what's this going to mean for my business? And are people still going to be purchasing home programs? And are people going to have the money? And what, what are we doing? And I completely went out of the present moment and started projecting into some unknown future, into some bad thing that may or may not happen, which might affect my business or not affect my business. And then I caught myself on. I was like, stop, stop. And I closed Facebook. I was like, no, this is why I don't go on to Facebook. This is why I do not scroll my newsfeed because I don't want to be sucked into and consumed by, I don't know what your mom's like, right? But my mom's, my mom's like, oh, did you watch the news? <laughs> did you see that story about the woman who tried to rescue her 97 year old mother and had her in the back of the police car? And my mom's like, she said, I was nearly crying watching the news. I was like, mom, don't watch that shit. And she was like, oh, but it was so heart wrenching. I was like, mom, don't watch stuff like that. Just focus on your own life. And, you know, and, oh, yeah. um, but I was the same. <laughs> I know. Is your mom the same as an Irish thing? No, my dad is like that. I always think of it as like mental mas masturbation without the ejaculation like it's just you're, it's just it's dreadful <laughs> it is so true but like they get so into it you know they've nothing else to focus on they get into it but you can see how people who don't have and my mom does have a lot to focus on she's a very busy life but she is retired and so she does have time to watch the news and see what's going on and get sucked into that and I was just like no I'm gonna make a choice here not to get sucked into this and to just go just to go about my life, go about all I focus on, like you, is creating value for my clients, creating valuable products. I'm like, coronavirus is here to stay. Great. We have a holiday shred launching on the 17th and it's all with resistance bands. And people are like, well, I thought you said you'd never do your home workout. Well, I never thought we'd be hit by a bloody global pandemic. So yeah. now resistance bands it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's it. You, you, I love that. But that's I think you have to maneuver around it. Like, you mentioned something there. I think I was having a conversation with one of my friends in Dubai and he's very similar. He's got a digital marketing agency. So he wasn't massively hit. Um, but similar to you, Kim, I was very fortunate. We've had a very good few months because everything was online anyway. But it's just the way the cookie crumbles. I'm like, if the internet fell out of the sky, I'm like, we're in trouble. I'm sure we're in trouble for bigger yeah. reasons than that. But business would be in trouble. So there's a little bit of an element of taken being very grateful for that too like when i hear stories like that i'm like oh i'm really grateful that i made a few decisions a few years ago to not be affected or that my business wouldn't be affected by a global pandemic in the sense that i'm online and similar to you 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 create valuable content that hopefully brings people in and then you're kind of their go-to when some a scenario like this hits but i had to delete my social media at the weekend kim for similar reasons i literally on on friday or on saturday after my workout I was going through my feed and there was a lot of that fear-based uncertainty that was popping up. And I, I don't follow these pages, but somehow they fucking find me. Like <laughs> they're uh, determined uh, well, to make they're you just scared. Like, I get you. Like I'm gonna make you feel uncertain right now. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna delete my my social media apps for the weekend. And I re-uploaded them this morning. Um, but for that reason, like you have to take control of it because it's so easy. And like I would consider, you know, both of us came very mentally tough and mentally strong, but it's very easy to get sucked into that fear spiral because you're, you're going down and then your brain is going crazy thinking of worst case scenarios and catastrophizing everything. But that's just because you were scrolling through social media or watching the news. So I think it's very important to take control of that and realize that the news has to put that out there. Social media's job is to get you clicking and scrolling. Like I haven't, I haven't watched the social dilemma, the, the Netflix movie, but I watched the guy that created it on Joe Rogan and I've read a lot of books along, along those lines and they're going to pull you in. So it's your job to make the decision to not let that happen. Otherwise, by default, you're going to get sucked in.
Yeah, and you've written a couple of books, haven't you? On how many? Two books now. To publish two books on mindset. And yeah, yeah. Rewire your mindset. And sorry, remind me of the second one. Uh, uh, fitness mindset was the first one, and rewire fitness your mindset. mindset and rewire your mindset was the second one. Yes, because that's whenever I first found you. And like, do you have a lot of people that you would coach online on that stuff at the minute? Like, is mindset still like a big part of what you're helping people with? Yeah, more so. We again, pure luck, opportunity meeting luck. You know, in terms of opportunity in the right time. We shot our mindset course about a month before the last lockdown. So in terms of when it launched, it was just perfect timing. Like it launched just before everything went on lockdown and people were ready to hear that. They're like, okay, this is the time that I need to take control of my mindset. So it's only in the last few months because before that, it was always in a seminar capacity or through the books. And now we've got the Rewire Your Mindset course, which has been, people have been doing amazing with that. Again, like everything, same as what you do, Kim, like you have to take action with it. Like mm-hmm. it means nothing to just tell you what to do. You have to apply it. Um, but it's been one of those opportunity meeting the right time as of now, because people are aware that they're in control of how they're thinking and getting their mindset right. Um, and then get do, uh, applying those tools in the middle of a pandemic are going to suit you and serve you long outside of that. Um, so yeah, it's something we've been doing more so recently than over the last couple of years, because that's always been in the kind of the seminar capacity. Oh, tell me what you would suggest, Brian. So I really want to get into, you know, some some real strategies, I guess, for my listeners as well, even though we're, we're both going to put out this podcast. I'm sure your guys are like sick of hearing you talk about it. <laughs> Maybe not. But um, sometimes I think it's, you know, it's good to reinforce and reinforce. But like for my listeners, ones especially, like we obviously very worldwide listeners. And I know I have there's a lot of gyms in America have closed a lot of and obviously my listeners are mostly fitness and stuff, but they they are struggling they are struggling to kind of make sense of everything and to stay positive and to, to, you know, change direction, I guess, and train from home and not worry that they're not making the gains and stuff. But like, if you could give someone, my listeners, particularly some steps or some advice on how to remain positive and how to stay happy and how to stay healthy, what would they be? I know I'm putting in well, the spot here, but I think you're good for well, it. The first thing I would say there is definitely like realign your expectations. There's going to be times when you can prioritize your nutrition and prioritize lifting weights. Right now might not be that time. Like you may not get into the best shape of your life on resistance bands or with home workouts, which was, which is what I do as well. Like, but you might, like it depends on your starting point. Like there's right. lots of different moving parts. But you have to align those expectations. Like if you're somebody that's going from zero to one, where you're using the lockdown, you're using the restrictions as an opportunity to get an amazing shape for the first time, like you're going to go through your resistance program and get an amazing shape. Like if this is the first program you've implemented, you know, you don't do things by halves, your workouts are great, you look after the nutrition, mm-hmm. all of these things that will impact people's results, they're going to get great results. But equally, somebody that's been training for 10, 15, 20 years and now has no access to weights and is switching to body weight or resistance, they might be better just to maintain and try and work through a maintenance phase at this point. So aligning your expectations based on your environment is important because there's going to be times when you can prioritize it because of, you know, either time or energy levels or, you know, gym that you literally physically can't step foot in the gym now. So you don't have access to all the weights you would normally have. So you might want to switch up your training to map to that. One of the things I did with this lockdown personally, just to give you an example, was was focusing on the runs. I'm like, well, you don't need a treadmill to run. Like you don't need a gym to run. You can go outside and you right. can run. You know, the last lockdown, I did a lot more cycling and a lot more biking because I didn't, I don't have all, I have weights at home, but like they don't go up to, they go up to like a hundred kilos. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they go heavy enough, but you're not maxing out what you might potentially get in the gym. So align your expectations on the front end. If you're coming from a starting position, you could 
potentially get into the best shape of your life over lockdown. But if you're someone on the opposite end that's been training for 15 years, you might want to just focus on maintenance and maybe look at other areas of your life that you're trying to improve a personal development course, reading more books, you know, setting up your business, spending time with your family or loved ones, et cetera. Because there is an opportunity to do that. It's just the environment not, might not be right. So just kind of evaluate and be self-aware of your own circumstances, situation, and then make your decisions based on that. Here, do you know, I absolutely love that. And it reminds me of reading. Um, I remember I was reading. It was during, I think, let me think. I think I had four young kids at the time, or maybe I only had three. I can't remember. And I remember thinking um, I was really, really struggling. I think I, I think the kids I had four kids at the time and I was really struggling to fit it all in. And I was I had started, you know, foraying into the world of online marketing whenever Jack was born. And he's nine now. So what do we know eight years ago? And I and I was really struggling at the time to obviously manage my house and my four kids and and you know and and find enough time to research online and try to you know start and think about this online business and i remember getting into the bath one night and i thought to myself i'm just going i want to read something when i'm in the bath just something short that's going to keep my attention for a short space of time and i went to the bookcase which is on the the landing outside the bathroom you know it was obviously my husband brought all his books with him whenever we got married and so there's a lot of stuff there that i've never read and i saw a book by stephen covey and i think it was a time management book actually and i was like Oh, I don't think I've ever read this before. And or maybe it was Think and Grow Rich. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he wrote that when I was Napoleon Hill. But anyway, it was whatever it was. It was by Stephen Covey, um, who, for those of you who don't know, is um, Franklin, the Franklin Covey Day Planners. Have you ever heard of those? They, yeah, they, he's, he's, seven yeah. Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes, yeah, Seven well. Habits of Highly Effective People. It might even be in that book. And uh, so anyway, I pulled it out and thought, oh, this would be good. This might actually solve my problems. This might, this might actually be the answer to my prayers. This might tell me exactly how to prioritize my life to have like massive success. And so I got into the bath and I was really excited to read it. And I opened it, you know, I always read a book from the introduction to the end. Like I usually start right at the very beginning. I want to get the full gist of the book. And so the introduction started and he, and he started by saying, you know, uh, recently my daughter came to me because she was struggling. And he said she had just given birth to her third young baby and she was struggling to fit it in. And I was like, oh, I was meant to read this. This is like for me. I was like, this is the universe that sent this to me. And I don't really believe in all that. But anyway, I was like, whenever it suits me, I do. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is very true, actually. So anyway, I was um, I, I was reading. This is exactly what it is. So basically what he said was, he said his daughter came to him. She's a very, she was very high, highly successful in her life. He was like, now I understand. He described his daughter. She's a go-getter. She was a CEO. She had started companies. She was, you know, used to being a very purposeful very effective person, you know, obviously being his daughter. And um, and he said, she came to me and she said, you know, I have this young baby and I'm really, really struggling now. I'm letting, you know, projects are slipping and the ball, I'm dropping the ball in many places. What can I do to be, you know, to be more successful? And I was like, oh, this is amazing. He's just going to like map out this entire strategy for me. So like I turned the page and I was avidly reading and he said, uh, and what he said profoundly changed my life. He said, um, I said to my daughter that, he, I said to her, at the minute, you have three young children and you have a baby who was at the time, I don't know, weeks old, several weeks old, very, very young. And he said uh, to her, at this time, there's no one else who can do what you can do with your children. He said, there's no one else can give them the love that they need at this young age. There's no one else can set their formative years for the rest of their life in the way that you can. You have something that only you can give them. And that should be your number one priority. That should be your number one focus. You shouldn't be worrying about dropping the ball on that project and doing this because 
at this time, no one else can do this job but you. And this is the most important work that you could ever do. And there'll be time to build all of these other things. And honestly, Brian, see, whenever I read it, I actually started to cry because I it just felt like someone had given me permission in that moment to just enjoy my children and to not feel this immense pressure, which I did feel at the time to, you know, have to make more money. I have to build this business. I have to be successful. I have to, I have to build something for myself. And I, I, I always felt like I was in such a rush or like this, this real feeling of, you know, I, I, I wanted help at home and I wanted to, all these different things I wanted to, to build or buy or create with this money that I wanted to make. And in that moment I was like, Oh shit. And it just completely changed my perspective. And I thought, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I'm actually supposed to be mothering my children. That's why I've had them. And don't get me wrong, I was. I was a stay-at-home mom, but I certainly wasn't giving it all of my focus and attention. And I remember that that's when I decided, I think I might have only had three children at the time, whatever it was, but that's when I decided to actually not put all this pressure on myself over here. And I began to look at my children differently and I began to see them in a completely different light, not see it as a as an inconvenience. Oh, okay. I just have to get through feeding them and looking after them so I can focus over here and start building this business over here as if like this was the value. And I think that we're trained that way, especially as women many times, you know, in this world, we're trained to to think that the value's over here, the value's over there. Oh, the value. I, we should all be working on building this enormous muscle. We should all be working on, on getting, you know, as fit as we can. We should all be working on building businesses and not mothering our children. And we're so sometimes are, you know, we're, we're confused in many ways. So I loved what you said there about like, what, what is your priority right now? And what truly should be your priority? Not what do you think your priority should be? Is in like, why well, I want to build muscle? Well, you can't because your fucking gym's closed. <laughs> so, you know, but what can you do with what you've got? And I think that profoundly changed that for me. And I, I never, ever, ever forgot that lesson. And I tell it to every mother. I give them, it's almost like I give them permission. I'm like, what if you just focused on your baby? And you just realize that only you can give your baby what you can give your baby. Why do you think we struggle to give ourselves permission with it? I don't know. I think that we have so many expectations. I think that we're constant. One, one, I think we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for the answers. And two, I think that society has placed a huge, with that particular example, society has placed a huge amount of uh, value on financial remuneration. Like I think that we place a lot of, um, there's a lot of inversion in our values in society, which basically means that we, whoever earns a lot of money, we tend to value a lot higher than people who don't learn, earn a lot of money. So stay at home moms are usually at the bottom of the, they're usually at the bottom of the heap. They're very, very, very undervalued because they're not earning money. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we, they constantly feel like they have to justify or that they should be successful. But I think our measurement in terms of success is just inverted. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think that's, um, like, you know, I won't go down a kind of a societal rant, but like you do, do tend no, to do. fall down. Please do. <laughs> well, like I, I think as someone that that definitely connects with that. Like uh, one of the things I talk about a lot on my podcast is like your junk values. Um, and I've had a couple of experiences of this over the years. For me, it's funny we we came kind of through similar worlds in terms of competing, and then I kind of took a completely different direction into endurance events. But one of the reasons I left competing, it was a few. But one of the major ones was I had so much of my self-worth tied up into how I looked and my comparison syndrome was in overdrive because obviously that's what you're being judged on. You're being judged on your physique compared to the person beside you, which is all well and good. But I think even at the time, I probably wasn't mentally strong enough to come through it that I was like, I just need to remove myself from this. I've got a junk value and it's not helping. And when I finished repeat, competing, 2015 was my last show. I did the WBFF Worlds in Vegas. And then 2016 was my first year making like serious money. That was, I, I switched my focus completely from competing to business. And th something similar happened. 
I realized I had another junk value. I was putting so much emphasis on my bottom line that now my self-worth was now my net worth. I'm like, they were so intrinsically linked. And I would love to say that I made the mistake once and then I learned from it, but I didn't. I had to do it twice. <laughs> like I had to get to the point that I was making loads of money. I remember I had a really uncomfortable conversation with my mom um, in 2016. So at the start of 2016, I hired my mom. So she was working in insurance and she hated her job. Like and my mom was one of those people that just doesn't complain. She doesn't complain about anything. So when she's complaining about something, you you listen. And I remember we sat down for coffee one day. We met in the Costa in Galway. And she was like, oh, my gosh. She goes, I have to go in back to work now. And I was like, I, I'd done really well that month and for the last several months. I'm like, okay. I was like, why don't you quit your job? I was like, I'll hire you. I was like, you can work for me. And she was like, no, no, we can't. Because you know how Irish mums are. I was like, no, 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 Jesus, no, no. She was like, you can't do that. And I was like, no, no. I was like, you hate your job. I was like, I'm doing really well. I'll hire you. I was like, I've got a couple of things for you to do. I need you to send out posts, send out clothes, send out this, that, or the other. So she did that. And about six months after, I got really disconnected in the sense that from her and from people around me, I was very workaholic, very nine to five. I was doing whatever work tasks I was. And then from five to nine, I was doing more. And then I would sleep the hours in between and do a little bit of a workout if I could. And I was just working around the clock. And I remember about six months into it, she came up to me for dinner. For, it was before, must have been before Christmas because it was like a turkey dinner. And I remember she was like, I'm going to go back work to get my real job. Now, Kim, I thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like I had told myself the story. My mom hates her job. I'm making money. I, I hired her. her. Oh, I thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. And I got this massive wake up call, this figurative smash in the face where she was like, I'm going to go back to my real job, going back in my job in insurance. I'm like, why would you do that? She was like, look, she goes, you've been really unhappy with me the last few months. You haven't been coming back. You haven't been hanging out with me. We used to go for coffee all the time. And I remember sitting there and I was like, if, 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 if ever there was a figurative heartbreak, I'm like, fuck, that's when, when I got it. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. I'm like, what have I been doing? I felt like it came out of, do you, know, do you ever hear, I always, I used to find these friends. I would be always like when they, when they're like, oh, my boyfriend or girlfriend just left or husband or wife just left. I'm like, how did they just leave? I'm like, they were just warning signs. I'm like, people don't just pick up and leave. But I remember that was exactly where I was at. I'm like, this came from complete left field for me. I didn't see it coming at all. And I had to do a complete reevaluation on what are the things that are valuable to me. And I remember saying, look, please, I was like, give it two months. I was like, give it to the new year. I was like, give it two months. And if things haven't gone back to normal, you know, I'll say, go back to your insurance job. And I started to shift. That's when I got really good. I know you're brilliant with this, Kim, in terms of your team and outsourcing and prioritizing time, et cetera. So that's when I started to get really good at my automation side of my business. I started automating things, outsourcing things. I hired a couple of new people. Um, and then I started spending more time again at my mom. But in terms of values, those junk values are something that's so easy to fall into in terms of societal junk values. And for me, it was like, well, I'm, I was justifying it when I'm making money. I'm like, I'm making more money. Doesn't matter if I'm a bit of a dickhead. I'm like, I'm making more money. It doesn't matter. And that story, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to admit, but it's true. Like that, that was the story that was playing in my head. I was justifying it. And that's because I had heard from people around me, family, friends, the, the experiences growing up, the more money you make, the more successful you are. And that's not what makes you a successful person. That's not even what makes you a good person. That just means you can make money. It means you're, if you're making a lot of money, it means you're good at making money. That's mm -hmm. all it means, mm -hmm. you know, and you may have freedom and more choices, but really it doesn't mean anything less. You know, I tell people this when they step on the scales, they're like, you know, they're like, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to lose 20 pounds. I'm like, all losing 20 pounds means is you'll weigh 20 pounds less on the scale. I'm like, 
realistically, yes, you might look different, etc. But effectively, if you're just working towards this goal, that's all it's really going to mean unless you change your habits, your behavioral patterns, all the things around us, you know, hence the juice diets, bear diets. I'm like, doesn't necessarily going to be, yeah, I roll, you know, <laughs> like they come into your programs all the time too. Like, and that's all it means. And I think if you don't determine what success looks like for you, you're going to fall into what default success looks like, which in most people is you get a good job that pays well, you know, you get married, you have kids, you know, you retire at 65, you play golf, you die, like, or some variation of that. And I think if that's not what success looks like to you, you're going to, by default, fall down the path of least resistance towards that because that's what everyone will expect of you and that's what you'll do. And I think once you wake up from that and question that in the front end and determine what success looks like for you, for me now, it's freedom. I'm like, I regularly say no to a lot of business opportunities. I'm like, well, I value my time with my daughter. I value my time with my mom. I value my time with my partner, my best friends. Like, that's that's for me, you know? And you have to identify what your true values are, what's valuable to you, because if you don't do it, you're going to fall into whatever the societal default values are. Yeah, I love that. And I think that um, what it reminded me of, let me just cross my legs here. What it reminded me of was um, something that I teach a lot as well, which is a lot of people haven't defined, which ex- which were your exact words you just said, haven't defined what success is for themselves. And a lot of things that I teach in my programs and also in everything I teach online is about um, is about something is neither good nor bad unless it's moving you towards your goal or away from your goal. But many times people haven't actually defined what their goal is. Whereas for me, I have defined my goal in parenting. I have defined my what I believe. So I, I know what I believe success is in my marriage. Um, success as a parent, success in business, success with my team, success with my family. So I have actually looked at all of the areas in my life that are important to me, you know, love relationships and money. And I have, or fitness relationships and money. I have defined what success is for me in those areas. And so therefore I never have to beat myself up and I never have to go. And it's the whole diet culture that we live in where people are like, oh God, you know, I had a Chinese last night or I had a, you know, I, oh God, I had that pizza and I shouldn't have eaten that pizza. And I feel so guilty for eating that pizza. And I go, why are you on a calorie restricted diet? And they go, no, but you know, pizza's really bad. I'm like, well, pizza's not bad. Pizza's just pizza. It's just, it's neither good nor bad. It's just pizza. Sometimes I eat pizza and it's really good because I'm, ga- I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eating 3000 calories and I need loads of carbs and I've just trained and those carbs are going into my muscles. So this pizza is good. Now, if I'm prepping for a show and I'm on 1500 calories and that pizza puts me way over the 1500 calories, that pizza is bad, but the pizza is just the pizza. But you know, you can't, but we have all of these all of these value judgments on ourselves about something being good or bad, but they're not based on definitions. They're based on feelings. So I ate the pizza and now I feel bad because I've been told the pizza is junk food and it's fattening and we shouldn't eat fattening food and fattening food will make you fat and being fat is bad. So pizza is bad. And I'm like, <laughs> like really, you know, but this is how most of us live our lives or they're like, people say to me all the time about my kids, they'll say, Oh, do you not feel really guilty? You know, do you see your kids very much? And I go, yeah, probably not as much as I should. And they go, do you not feel really guilty? I'm like, no, I don't feel guilty. I'm like, why would I feel guilty? And they're like, oh, because, you know, do you not, I always feel guilty. I don't see them enough. And I'm like, no, because no, I have to find what success is for my children. But not only, so the, and, you know, and a lot of, I don't think a lot of mothers have done this, but I look at 
my my kids and I say, what is success? Because we radically unschool our kids. So they don't go to school. So we don't have any external measurement of they got, you know, X amount of grades or they got, you know, these grades or this grades or they're failing at math or they're succeeding here. We don't have any behavioral, you know, or they performed really well or they didn't perform really well or they get sent home from school or whatever. None of that applies in our house. So I looked at my kids and I was like, what is what would I consider to be success for my children? Are they are they able to read and write? Yes. Are they able to um, have you know conversations with adults with children? Are they able to mix and mingle in a you know in a crowd in a crowd of people? And are, do they feel confident to have those conversations? Yes, they do. Are they articulate? Are they systems thinkers? Are they able to evaluate their own emotions and express them? Yes, they are. Are they, you know, do they feel joy every day of their lives? Do they look happy? Do they look healthy? Do they understand their relationship with food? Do they understand their relationship with other? Do they understand responsibility, consequences? So I have all of these measurements for what I what I believe personally a good human being should be. Someone who understands how themselves and how they interact with the world. Someone who understands nutrition and how it relates to their body. Someone who understands exercise and exercises regularly. And so you know, without force or punishment or coercion or rules or control, I have all of these standards that I have set for my children that, and if they are hitting all of those milestones, then I, then I consider that success. And I look and some people, I go, Oh, what if your child doesn't have a, you know, a math GCSE? So what, (laughs) don't you know, like he can do long multiplication in his head for fuck's sake, you know, or, you know, all these different success, but also in terms of spending time with them, you know, I, I make make it a point to get home by 5.30 p.m. every evening to have dinner with the kids. Now, we have a private chef, so that's really easy. I, I arrive home, dinner's on the table, and I come in and we have dinner with the family. That constitutes success for me. I spend time every evening with them. That constitutes success for me. Every single weekend, we go on a family activity. We skate, we ride, we swim, we do something on a, on a Sunday morning with the family. Same as on a Saturday. So I see them a lot, and the quality time that I spend with them, or the time I spend with them is quality time, quality over quantity. I'm all about quality over quantity. It's the same as in the gym. I don't go to the gym for two hours. I go to the gym for 45 minutes and I leave my soul on the gym floor. Four exercises on leg day. That's it. And I have melon crusher thighs, you know, (laughs) quality over quantity. And so I think to go back to what you said, it's so true. We don't define success. What is success for me in fitness? What is success for me in my relationships? What is success for me as a parent? What is success for me, you know, in the business world? In the beginning for me, when I went into business, it was like I said to Ryan, I want to make $10,000 a month. Oh my God, that was like the thought of making $10,000 a month was like insane. And then I made $10,000 a month. I was like, okay, and I want to make $100,000 a month. And then I made $100,000 a month. Okay, now I want to make $10,000 a day. And then I like started to make $10,000 a day. Now I want $50,000 a day. Now I'm not at $50,000 a day yet, but I'm kind of at maybe $18,000, $20,000 a day. And so, you know, I, so I keep redefining what success is for me, but I'm not vested in either. Like if I wake up and I go, didn't make 10 grand today. Well, I'm not suicidal. Like I don't get out of bed and go and try and, you know, sell a few more programs, you know, I evaluate and whatever. But I think that that's a really important point. You need to define what success is. And then you're either moving towards a goal or you're moving away from a goal. And there's really no emotional attachment to it then, if that makes sense. There's no, you're you're not just walking around with this feeling of being, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever notice how many people just walk around with this general feeling of being dissatisfied and aimless and directionless? Like having a goal gives you a purpose. Do you find that for you? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, there's a common trend among successful people and a common trend among unsuccessful people. Kim, you're in this bracket for when you were on my podcast, a walking example of this, probably one of the best ones because of the way you articulate your points that successful people do what they have to do whether they feel like it or not. And like, that's the one trend I've got from so many people that I've interviewed over the years. And then when it comes to unsuccessful people or people who are walking around feeling depressed, it's that they're aimless. I'm like, they're not working towards anything. And 
I think everybody's like that. I, I think because you know this, Kim, better than anyone. Like, there's no such thing as a motivated person. Like, no. there's people who you get motivation based on how you feel on that day. But like, it's not an indicator of how well you're going to do. Like, motivation's horseshit when it comes to that. Like, motivation might get you going, but it doesn't actually get anything done in the long run. Whereas, you know, it's your daily habits that decide what you get done. You know, you you don't decide your future. You decide your habits. Your habits decide your future. And when you see people walking around aimlessly, I think we're all like that. Like if I'm not working always towards relationship goals, family goals, fitness goals, financial goals, if I'm not always working towards them, I feel a bit aimless and lost myself. Like everybody's like that. It's just not having the attachment to it. Like knowing what you're going for, similar to you in terms of the financial goals, like you have to, I won't say ease up on yourself at times. Some people need the whip. You know, some mm-hmm. people need to be a lot stricter with themselves and need the whip. Other people, I think we're probably more similar like this because we're very kind of type A, go, go, go. We probably need to back off in each other a little bit in terms of back off on ourselves because we can be our, our own biggest enemies in terms of what you said there, feeling like you need to read a book to get permission. I've had similar right. experiences with books that I've read where I'm like, oh, you know, you just get that wave of relief. You're like, oh, it's okay to think like this or it's okay to be like that. I remember when I first came to terms, thankfully over the last few years, I don't have very high an- anxious moments but I used to have a really bad problem with anxiety, like crippling um, anxiety attacks. And I remember when I read a book, it was um, it was Rewire Your Anxious Brain. And I read it very closely with Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Terrible title, great book. But I, I remember reading those two books back to back and they just gave me permission to make me realize that there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, this is this is a, a natural way to feel. Yeah, there's a problem with the dosage that, you know, the quantity matters. You need to get control of this. But it just made me feel OK that I, I thought I would, you think you're weird. You think there's something wrong with you. And sometimes listening to podcasts, reading books, give you permission to think that, oh, it's fine. Where I'm at now is OK. But there's other times when you need to crack that whip. If you haven't a goal that you're working towards, you can't hit a target you can't see. Like I had a girl and Kim, you definitely get this with your programs. Like, cause I know we've talked about it briefly on podcasts. I can't remember, was it on mine or was it on yours the last time? But when people will come to me and say, you know, I want to lose weight. I'm like, why do you want to lose weight? And they're like, well, I've got weight to lose. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I was like, yeah, I get that. But why do you want to lose weight? Oh, I don't know. Um, Cause you know, you're supposed to lose weight. I'm like, who said? I'm like, who's standing over you saying you need to lose weight, Samantha? Like, you know, it's it's very much a case of if you don't know why you're doing it, you're not going to be motivated to do it. And if you're walking around aimless, that's what I see. The people that are walking around on life on autopilot or that kind of walking dead where they're just kind of aimlessly going through life. I'm like, that's because you're not working towards a goal. The beauty is that's super easy fix. Like it's as simple and straightforward as actually setting a goal and working towards it. Now application and doing it is a lot harder because you need to completely rewire your mindset in order to get it done. But it is actually as straightforward as setting the goal and working towards it. Uh, but you have a book to help people with that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> a sales pitch yeah <laughs> book, no joke like but that's the answer like i could i love i can't remember your exact line kim but when i wrote the book uh you sent me a message about mindset i oh, i need to pull it up to see it but it was something like uh work harder drop in it was something like yeah. nobody lines. cares work harder no, nobody cares work harder do you know that that's actually do you know that's actually the um that's actually that we've changed we've rebranded the podcast now it used to be the strong and sculpted podcast it's now the kim constable podcast and the with the strap line is nobody cares work harder Love that me. is literally i said to my husband i want that to be etched on my gravestone that is that <laughs> is i i have such an affinity with that phrase or whatever and i think it's because I've had so many experiences in the past. You know, whenever someone is complaining to you and they're like, oh, and they're telling you 
and they're like, oh my God, and this thing happened or like, it was so hard for me and whatever. And you're looking at them and you're going, oh wow. And for a second you try them on and you hear them and you go, God, that sounds so hard. And then you go, but anyway, listen, catch you later, you know, whatever. And you go off back to your life. Do you ever actually think about what the person said again? Or do you care? Or do you, and that, you know, and I, I sometimes get this with my husband and I used to go, I used to go, oh, Ryan, I don't want to do my cardio. And I was just having a wee suffer, you know, I don't want to do my cardio today. And he, and, and he used to go, well, just don't do it. And I was like, well, I don't want to have the show. Well, don't do the show. Fuck you, Ryan. Fuck you. Great answer, though. Great answer. <laughs> he like, said, just don't do it. <laughs> but it's true. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Really? Like, we walk around suffering. Oh, I'm so, it's so hard for me. And I just couldn't do it. And I just, I have no motivation. Nobody fucking cares. Go to the gym. Work harder. Stop whinging. If you spent as much time, go like, actually just putting your bloody shoes on and going to the gym and, you know, and, and, or running or doing those things that you said you were going to want to do as you do complaining, you would be so successful by now. But if you channel so much of your energy into complaining and bitching and whinging about it, it ain't going to get done. But also one of the things I find, which you have probably found too, and I've been trying to teach this to people over lockdown is I never, ever, ever feel like going to the gym. And I never, ever feel like doing my cardio, but I have now trained myself to the fact that I know that when I like every morning I go for a walk with the dog and my husband comes with me and we go for like a good power walk for about 60 minutes. We walk about seven kilometers and the minute we step foot outside the door and this morning it was raining and there was, wasn't, I was like, there's not another sinner in sight. You know, all the fair weather walkers, it does whether it's raining or it's windy or it's bright, we go. And so we, and the dog's not particularly happy about it sometimes, but anyway, we go anyway. So, but as soon as you step out your foot outside the door and you start walking, you go, oh, Look at this wonderful day. It's beautiful. Look at the, it's just the, the rain is so cleansing and you have a complete state change. And what people don't realize is that motivation is simply a state change. Right now I'm sitting in bed because like 20 minutes previously, I'd been sitting in bed drinking my coffee that my husband had brought me and it was warm and it was cozy and I didn't sleep well last night because I never do on a Sunday because my brain goes into overdrive. So I think I only got like six hours sleep, which isn't very much for me. And so I'm sitting there going, I don't want to walk. I can't be bothered. Will I do it? 20 minutes later, I'm walking outside going, isn't this the most beautiful, wonderful day? And it was raining. But all it is is a state change. You recognize, yes, I'm feeling crappy in the minute and I don't want to get out the door. But once you get your shoes on and you get out the door and you start to run, you start to walk, you start to move then you're totally fine. But it's training yourself to do that. Many people don't know that they can change their emotional state. They think that how they feel right now is the way it is. And they don't realize that how they feel right now is just a momentary feeling. And you can just simply put your shoes on. Next step. Put your coat on. Next step. Put your beanie on. Next step. Go out the door. Don't even start to run. Walk. If you're like, if you've told yourself you're going to run, if you don't feel like running, don't run. Walk. And then maybe pick up the pace a bit and then maybe run for a bit. And then you just get into the flow of it and it flows. But you have to train yourself to know that this feeling in the moment is momentary. And I would love to know if this happens to you as well. This feeling in the moment that I'm feeling right now, sitting on the couch, sitting in bed, whatever, warm, cozy, wonderful, do not want to get up and do my cardio. It disappears the minute you start to do your cardio, the minute you start to go to the gym, the minute you change what it is you're doing, the feeling changes. And that's what you have to train yourself to do or to have the discipline for do you feel the same way is it the same yeah, for you a hundred percent and i think that's 100 percent trainable like i think it's the uh, one of the misconceptions as i said earlier like people think they'll categorize you they'll categorize me into like motivated people into that right. bracket as opposed to i would love to have your motivation do you get that all the time oh, oh i have your motivation and i, I have the most and the frustrating answer all the time i'm just like i don't have motive i'm not motivated i have good habits like that's the most frustrating answer for people because they're like oh shit that's that's yeah, the crap i'm disciplined 
Yeah, that's no, that's it. Yeah, like there's different between being disciplined and being motivated. I'm like, they're two different things. I'm like, discipline is something you build over time by, as you said, re- it's, it's like building a muscle. You build muscle by repetition. Like you build discipline by repetition, by going after and going for that walk, regardless of what the weather's like or doing the workout, whether you feel like it or not. Like I, I think the best piece of advice I think I've ever received and that I apply is you make a list of the things you have to do and then you just do them. Like it's it's literally as simple as that. Like I make a list every day of what I have to do and it is doesn't matter how I feel. If I get a fuck, if I'm getting up at 5 a.m., it's on the list, if I'm going for a run, if I'm doing a weight workout, if I'm writing, if I'm doing a podcast, if I've got a meeting, it doesn't matter whether I feel super motivated, whether I feel amazing. You know, I Rogan talks about this. He's like, if you're a fucking pro, you just turn up. Like nobody cares if you're sick, nobody cares if you're not feeling well, nobody cares if you're feeling motivated. I'm like, you just show up. Like, and I think when you apply that philosophy or mindset to your training or your nutrition or to your business or to your family or to whatever like no one cares as you said no one cares work harder like nobody cares just get it done like i think and that can be learned like it's very easy for me for you for people like us came on the other side because we've conditioned ourselves for the people who are thinking about like to be like that realize that you start small and you build up like that's the secret yeah don't make too many changes at once pick one thing that you're going to consistently do and then you know, building confidence is just keeping promises with yourself. Like you'll build confidence over time and you'll reinforce that habit of discipline if you stick to that thing. Now it could be small. Like it could be going for a walk every day when you wake up in the morning. It could be when the buildings open back up again that you never take the elevator, you always take the stairs. Or it could be that you make one switch in your nutrition so that you're going to focus on a healthy breakfast. You're not revamping or going over your entire nutrition, you're just going to make a healthier choice of breakfast, but you stick to it regardless of how you feel. And then you build on that. You get that to the point where that habit, you get that on autopilot, you get that habit as something that's serving you. And then you move on to the next thing. And then you move on to the next thing. Like I didn't go from, you know, 5am to adding in runs, to writing books, to doing podcasts, to doing all these things at once. I did them slowly and gradually over time. And once it became a habit of getting up to go to the gym, once it became a habit of going for a run, once it became a habit of writing, I then move on to the next thing after a couple of months. But you start, the problem when looking from the outside is, you know, it's the old um, iceberg, the success Mm -hmm. in the iceberg. People see Mm -hmm. the tip of it, like that old analogy. And it's true. When you're looking at it from the outside, it looks like everyone has their shit together on social media. Whereas the people that have, it's normally that they started small and they built up. So if this, if there's someone listening now who's in that place, don't make too many changes at once. Just make a small change that you are consistently going to stick to, whatever that is, and do it regardless of how you feel. And once that becomes a habit after a couple of months, you move on to the next thing. You get that on autopilot and you move on to the next thing and you build it that way. You don't, you don't decide your future, you decide your habits and your habits decide your future. It's almost like building complexity. I talk about this all the time in my in my business. I say you have to increase your complexity. And once you reach a level that you're comfortable at, the only way to grow is then to you add in a little more because it's, it's almost like, you know, I, I liken it to driving a car. So whenever you first learn to drive, you get into the car and everything is new. And you couldn't possibly have the radio on or think about eating when you're driving or any of those. You you have to turn everything off and you have to check where everything is. And you're like, OK, that's the accelerator. That's the brake. That's the clutch indicators, lights, you know, and then you look around in the road and everything is new. You're taking in data, 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 data everywhere. You know, all of this data is coming at you at once. So you have to really concentrate on what you're doing. You couldn't possibly go too fast. You couldn't change. You know, you're looking, changing lanes. Everything is new. And so it takes a while to get used to it. And then after a few years, you can take more risks. You can go faster. You know the 
the, you know, the, the speed of cars coming towards you, whether you can nip into a road or not. You know, I used to, my sister said once to me, do you eat when you're driving? This is years ago before they had so many rules, you know, about driving, whatever. And I was like, do I eat when I'm driving? I eat, smoke, talk on the phone while I'm driving at the same time, you know, I'm like smoking in one hand, eating the other hand, talking on the phone. And this is like, I was like 18 at the time. It's many, many years ago. Don't smoke now and don't talk on the phone while I'm driving. But, um, and so, you know, it's like that. So you become used to it so that driving becomes second nature. So you can add in eating and then you can add in talking on the phone and eating and you can find, like I find my nails and brush my eyelashes while I'm driving. It drives my husband bananas. So it's like that. Like it's me with the business at the minute. People look at me, um, especially with the million dollar mentor group that we've just launched. And they and someone said to me the other day, they were, she said, Kim, I am exhausted just thinking about what you get done in a day. How do you get so much done? And I said, well, understand, I didn't start out this way. I've gradually increased my complexity. I started with one 12-month program, one program, one funnel, one email list, one whatever. And as that became successful, I added another one, another one. Then I added a coach. Then I added a you know, a web designer and director of operations. And then I added, as I became too busy at home, I added a housekeeper. And then I added a chef. And then I, so I've, I've increased, I've, I've outsourced a lot of my jobs to my team. And then once I once I I had kind of reached capacity with my with my business, I and I felt like I was, you know, everything was running really smoothly. I added another business, Brian. I added the million dollar mentor, a second company to my portfolio. And then that though, that increase in complexity, what people don't realize is it it wasn't like, oh now I'm running two companies and everything was so wonderful. It was stressful as fuck, you know? And I realized and my director of operations rang me one day and, and I said to her, so I just found a content writer, someone to be me online. So we literally talk continually all day. She writes all of my content. She just wrote my, her first program, the 12-week shred. I gave her all the outlines and the details, but she actually wrote it. She took my ideas and she put them down on paper. And that is the missing piece for me. That's the one thing I've been looking for for three years. So anyway, J Jamie, my director of operations said to me, she said, I can see you've reached your emotional and physical threshold. And I had, I had reached my threshold and I, I, I was full up and I knew that something had to give. And then of course, finding Vanessa completely changed it for me. And so, and now we're launching, <laughs> I came into the, came in today to the office and I was like, hi girls. And they were like, hi. And I was like, so I know I said we weren't doing another launch before Christmas. And they were like, uh-huh. And I was like, but we are, we're doing one on the 30th of November. And they were like, what the fuck? So I've decided now I'm launching a third company. I'm going into business with someone. I can't give any more details just now, but all will be, be revealed. I'm actually partnering with someone to go into business with something. And we're doing another launch in the end of, of November. So I'm now adding a third company. Now, the reason why I'm saying all this is I didn't start out like this. You know, I've increased my complexity and increased my complexity and increased my complexity, which is why I'm able to train and work and run companies and do podcast interviews and all of this stuff, because I've gradually got there. But I always recommend with people to start with a persistency, five minutes a day. I want to I want to be the kind of person who gets fit. So I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to go walk every day. People say, well, I'm going to run for an hour every day. No, you're not. You're fat and unfit. You're not going to run for an hour every day. You're, why don't you commit to walking for five minutes a day? Now, when you're out walking, you may want to go for longer. And that's great. You might find yourself going for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And that's wonderful. But start with five. So if you forget to do your walk and it's midnight, you know you can get out of bed and you can go and do your walk for five minutes or you can walk up and down the stairs for five minutes and you know you haven't let yourself down and you still managed your persistency. Set it small and then increase and increase and increase and increase. And that when that becomes your daily habit, add in another persistency in another area where you want to grow. But like you said, start small, make it manageable so and give yourself the opportunity to be successful because success is what will keep you going. Like, don't shoot yourself in the foot, you know, from the very beginning. Give yourself the opportunity to be successful and then and build new habits. It all It is about building habits, really, isn't it? 
that's that's everything. I love that. That, that I saw that ministry program come up to. I'm like, that's a great area. Like when I think of Kim and what you're doing, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's definitely the place to start serving people now um, on top of everything that you're doing. But like it, it, it sounds so simple and straightforward. But as you said, it's those five minutes, like, but be consistent, be persistent with it, regardless of how you don't feel. let yourself off the hook. We let ourselves off the hook too much. Didn't feel like it today. No, no, no. How do you stay accountable? What's your process for staying accountable? I used to give myself self-imposed consequences. I don't need to do it anymore now because I find accountability really, really, really easy. But what I used to do was, this is how this is how it happened. So a few years ago, I told myself that I was going to, I really wanted to start a business. And I told myself I was going to do this online company, but I kept letting myself off the hook with doing the groundwork that needed to be done. And so I said to myself one day, I was like, why do I keep letting myself off the hook? And I was like, okay, because it's uncomfortable and I don't want to do it. And it's hard. So I was like, okay, if I don't do this, I know it's, I'm never, if I don't carve out this time every single day, I know that I'm not going to be able to succeed. So what am I going to, I th- so I said to myself, no one else, is, no one's going to beat me. No one's, there's no, there's nothing's going to happen if I don't do it. So how can I give myself a, a, a downside or a consequence or something that I will commit to if I let myself off the hook? So I, I at the time I was a, a mother of four young kids and coffee was very important to me. I <laughs> loved my morning coffee Extra and I loved gods, a couple of coffees yeah, and it was like kids were sleeping and you had a cup of coffee and it was like this, it was like a hug in a cup. And I, th- I said to myself, right, coffee. So I said to my husband, I said to Ryan, okay, I'm telling you now, and I want you to hold me accountable and I have to tell somebody, otherwise, you know, it, won't, it, it doesn't have the same weight, but I am going to commit to doing, it was like 15 minutes or whatever it was a day, 15 minutes a day, something small on this particular project that I'm working on. And if I don't do it, if I miss doing this for one day, I'm going to do it seven days a week. And if I miss doing it and I give myself a, a persistency, it was like 30 days or 60 days or something. I said, um, I will not drink coffee for a month. Now, let me tell you, that was, it wasn't like a week or whatever. It was like a month. I will not drink coffee for a month. Now, I probably would have got used to it after a couple of weeks or whatever. But the thought of not drinking coffee for a month was so horrifying to me. Do you know, I was persistent after that. At that one thing, that was how I grew the Sculpted Vegan for 632 days. And after 632 days, I counted them. I wrote them off in a calendar. And after 632 days, I was, it was basically like two years. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I need to I don't think I need this anymore, you know, because I'm I'm persistent. But it was funny. I just got into the habit every single day of doing it, of checking in, of being a habit. Don't you just love Brian? Isn't he amazing? Like, I just absolutely adore him. I really do. And I really wish that he lived closer, even though like closer people are like in America would say he's like literally just down the road because he lives in Galway. But it's about three hours drive from Belfast, Galway. So um, we've never actually met in person, but definitely once coronavirus pisses off and leaves us alone. Uh, Brian and I will make a point of meeting, maybe go for a pint in Dublin, meet halfway between the two of us. And uh, we might even record that conversation as well. Just two of us pissed in a pub in Dublin would not make a good podcast episode. (laughs) Actually, that is one. I probably should do a pissed podcast episode, but I'd probably offend everybody in the world. So maybe it wouldn't actually be a good idea. So anyway, uh, don't forget to leave the review of the podcast to be in with the chance of winning one of our Sculpted Vegan programs. And we will announce the winner in November. Have a wonderful week wherever you are. Thank you so much for listening. This is Kim Constable and I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.